Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's playoff time. Big stakes. Bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during the day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So go out ahead and download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. A new season for the NBA. Now it's the postseason, and of course that means I have a lot of downtime. <laughs> What's good, everybody? Jason Jones back with your latest episode of the Ruler of the Court podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm your host again, Jason Jones, where we talk Sacramento Kings basketball, we talk some music, and yeah, pretty much whatever else comes to mind. So. Again, the playoffs started this weekend, past weekend, and of course it, that means my vacation, so to speak, has started. But that doesn't mean that in watching the playoffs, I can't find something that reminds me of the Kings related to the Kings. And as I'm watching games, you see a lot of guys who played, not a lot, but you see a few guys who played for the Kings in playoff games. And, you know, Trevor Ariza's out there, Dwayne Dedman 
in Miami. Also, Nemanja Bielitsa's on that team. You look at the Clippers, you see DeMarcus Cousins on the roster, Rajon Rondo. Dallas has Willie Cauley-Stein. The Lakers have Ben McLemore. I mean, I can go on and on and on just going through some of these teams and finding former Kings. But there's two guys that really stood out to me that I want to talk about. And more so under the the, uh, guise of how a good situation matters and what it really does for players. And those two players played in what you probably would call the game of the day from Sunday. Well, maybe uh, one of the games of the day because I think uh, you you might think Memphis and Utah was game of the day. But I'm talking about uh, Atlanta and New York. Trey Young with the game winner. Hawks win 107-105 at New York. But two guys had key roles in that game that are former Kings. One, you know very well, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 18 points. Uh, Four rebounds, two assists, two steals, just one turnover, and a team high plus 17 in his 34 minutes. Hitting clutch shots in the fourth quarter, as you know, we all know Bogey can do. Played, you know, just played a real solid game in his first NBA playoff game. Obviously, he has an extensive postseason history, going back to his time in the Euro League. Was one of the best players over there, and it's really cool to see him on that stage. And then, secondly, uh, another guy. Well, he was a king, but you probably don't remember him much because he didn't play a whole lot. That's Alec Burks. Came off the bench for the Knicks. Score a team high 27 points. No, 3 of 5 from 3. Also had 4 assists. And, yeah, he was a... He was a king, you know, uh, the, the latter part of the 2018-19 season. And I just thought it'd be kind of different. A little cool just to recap their time in Sacramento. And just how they've been able to move on. And I'll start with the guy we know the best in Bogey. And there was a guy I know a lot of people didn't want to see leave Sacramento. Some people said, you know, you got to let him walk. King, you know, he was a restricted free agent in this past offseason. And the situation you had with Bogey was the GM, he knew Vlade was, Divac was gone. Pedro Stojakovic was gone. Two guys he, you know had great faith and trust in. They're gone. You got a new general manager in Monty McNair. You got a... And you got, you've got the draft coming up. You know, because that, that, you know, it's made things a little different too, was, you know, draft coming up, a lot of decisions to be made, so on and so forth. And, as you might recall, you had the failed attempted sign-and-trade agreement with Bogey to uh, Milwaukee. And you've read the stories about, well, Bogey said he didn't know, you know, that he wasn't in on this. So, you know, you hear all the stories. And I've, I think I've stated on probably some other podcasts what my theory was, was that th- those reports and those confirmations don't come out of thin air. So my, just, my conspiracy theory is related to the Milwaukee situation was... There might have been something there. There probably was something there. But before you could get there, Atlanta and maybe some other teams say, hold up, hold up, hold up. What are you agreeing to that to? 
we got more money than that four-year, 50 million-ish plus range that Milwaukee can offer. You know, then we see, you know, Bogey signs the offer sheet with Milwaukee. Uh, not Milwaukee, check that Atlanta. Kings don't match. Off to Atlanta, Bogey goes. Uh, former, you know, all-rookie you know, all selection guy for the Kings. Goes to Atlanta. Has a, you know, I believe he has a solid season for the Hawks and pretty much does a lot of the things that we knew him to do in Sacramento as far as being a good, you know, good fit in the locker room, good teammate, all that stuff. And in his three years in Sacramento, Bogey averaged 13 and a half points. Uh, was a good three-point shooter. You know, even though his three-point shooting had, you know, wasn't as good as it was his rookie year. You know, his last year in Sac, he shot 30, 37% which was actually down from the 39.2% he shot his first year with the Kings. You know, averaged 15.1 last season, which was his career high. But got to Atlanta and established, you know, career highs for his NBA, you know, NBA career highs in multiple categories and helped the Hawks, you know, in their playoff drought, something the Kings still haven't done. So, but you, you you know, you look at um, what Bogey did for the Hawks, averages career high 16.4 points, shot 43.8%, a career high, 47.3% from the field, a career high. No, average 3.3. This was actually, you know, matched his low for his career, but we ain't gonna worry about that. You got Trey Young out there handling the ball. His assists weren't gonna jump, yo. 3.6 rebounds, a career high. 1.1 steals, a career high. Even the point, 0 0.3 blocks was a career high. You know, shot 90, you know, 90.9 percent from the free throw line. No, just career high after career high after no, no, you know, check that. Um, yeah, just career high. You know, it wasn't like Bogey shot a ton of free throws this past season, but yeah, you know, everything uptick on the high you know he did miss time with an injury only played in 44 games but started 27 of the 44 he played in was definitely a plus for the for the hawks could the kings have used his uh, presence most definitely but they had to weigh did they want to commit the kind of money the four years 72 million that the hawks had committed to him uh, pretty much the amount of money the, the the Kings would have played to keep him if Vlade Divac were still in charge, but Monty McMahon chose not to match that. And your consolation is that you did get Tyrese Halliburton essentially playing the minutes or the spot that Bogey might have played. But there's you know there there would have been different options if you would have kept Bogey and then maybe looked to trade him later. You know perhaps to trade Buddy Heel. And then you keep Bogey's, at that point, compared to Buddy, a more team-friendly contract, perhaps. And your three-guard lineup is Bogey, um, Tyrese, and De'Aaron. So maybe that's the move you make. We'll never know. But it really was a lot of fun to see Bogey out there making clutch shots in a playoff situation. You know, something that he really, really desired to do with the Kings. You know, he... One of his frustrations with the Kings was he wanted to be a part of a culture of winning. And he just couldn't, they couldn't get that done. But I think I've always said about Bogey that 
you put him on a better team, you really get the high. See what he does best, and I think he's, he's definitely got a lot more talent around him in Atlanta. You know, you know, All Star uh, Trey Young. You know, you've got you know Clint Capella who had a hell of a season. You've got John Collins at power forward. You've got some good young talent. You know, Hunter and you know you've got some. You you got a lot better pieces around him. Which means you don't have to maybe play bogey 35 minutes. And one of the things the Kings have struggled with in recent years is that because of the lack of depth, you've had to play your, your top guys probably more minutes than you would want to in an ideal situation. And I think bogey fell into that situation a few times with the Kings where maybe you should be playing 28, 30 minutes. You got to play him 35 plus just because you don't have any really one else with him that can you know support him cover up for maybe what he doesn't do well those sort of things so watching that was a lot of fun and i think you know the kings definitely missed bogey's presence in terms of just you know basketball iq on the floor having another you know thinker out there guy another organizer i think that i think more than just his stats that's probably where you missed bogey the most in my opinion was just that having that guy out there to help organize and get things going. Obviously, that's De'Aaron's job, Tyrese's job, but to me, the more guys you have that can do that, the better. So, like I said, it's fun to watch him out there. I always wondered how he would do on the big stage or the bigger stage. So, of course, Bogey's out there hitting threes, hitting clutch threes at Madison Square Garden in a playoff game. Uh, now, I want to start over a little bit to Alec Burks. Here's a little different situation. Uh, he was acquired in a trade back in 2019. If you remember correct, if you remember, the Kings at that point were one of the prizes of the league. They needed some depth in the backcourt. Vlade, to me, I thought was one of his better deals at that point. Goes out and makes a deal to get Alec Burks, who had been... Uh, he had been with uh, Cleveland, you know, at that point. You get him, you, know, you try to get him out there with the Kings to see what happens. You know, at that point, Cleveland doesn't have LeBron anymore. They're in a different, you know, they're in a different mode. You know, and so, and I always liked Alec Burks as a player from his days in Utah. He was a guy that whenever, at least whenever he played the Kings, it seemed, he gave the Kings fits every time he played them. It was like it was guaranteed that when he played against the Kings, he was going to be a problem. But for whatever reason, he just never got, he never fit with, you know, he never fit with the Kings. Uh, Dave Yeager didn't seem to have uh, much of a use for him, it seemed. He only appeared in uh, 13 games after being acquired in that trade. 13 games, 1.7 points per game in that point. Only averaged 9.8 minutes. So he really didn't get a chance to play. And I think up until this past draft where you got, not draft, past deadline, you got DeLon Wright. The Kings had been really looking for another bigger guard off the bench who could also play make. You know, yeah, you had Bogey, you know, but I think they, you know, they needed more than just Bogey as that guy. So when Bogey went to the starting lineup last season, you didn't have that playmaker with some size off the bench. So, oddly enough, this... he just never could crack Dave Yeager's rotation after that deal, even though I know Vlade was very high on what he thought Alec could add to their, their attempt to make the playoffs. But that's not the way the coaching staffs went and saw to go. 
You know, he was inactive a bunch of games, didn't play much, and then after that, uh, he ended up in Golden State the following season. Philadelphia, now with the Knicks, and averaged 12.7 points with the Knicks this past season in 49 games. You know, shot 41.5% from three. Crazy enough, <laughs> with the Kings in his 13 games, didn't make a three. Because then, again, then again, he barely played. Before his career, he's a 37.3% three-point shooter. So, an odd situation that, for whatever reason, they couldn't get more out of him <laughs> during the season. You know, it remains one of the oddities to me of that crazy 2018-2019 season. Should I say the second half of that season? You know, after the break, the Kings went... You know, went nine and sixteen after the after the All Star break. Went from trying to get to the eighth spot to falling right back to the lottery, and true enough, they finished ninth in the West that year. But it wasn't a close ninth. Big gap in the standings between eight and nine. Burks, you know, bounces around. Strangely enough, you no, know, not strangely, but. He bounced back pretty well, you know, <laughs> you know, after getting out of Sacramento. You know, for in his 48 games with the Warriors, he averaged 16 points. Averaged 12.2 with the uh, with the Sixers. But, yeah, he bounced back pretty well for getting out of uh, <clears throat> Oh, excuse me, getting out of Sac. So maybe Alec wasn't the problem. Perhaps Sac was the problem. And where have we heard that before? Last year, Trevor Ariza got out of Sacramento with the Portland started making shots. Dwayne Dedman's a serviceable player with Miami after just, you know, stinking it up in Sacramento. I think Corey Joseph was a fine player, you know, in his time with Sacramento. But, you know, by the end, fans, you know, hated him for some reason. He comes back with Detroit, kicks the Kings' ass up and down the court. So, I mean, this is just a... To me, the latest of a guy getting out of Sacramento and doing well. And to me, it just points to how there's still work to be done with the culture to where guys like an Alec Burks can come in at the deadline and flourish, you know, in a culture that is, you know, promotes winning. And perhaps we're seeing the signs of that, you know, DeLon Wright, Terrence Davis, Mo Harkless were able to come in and do that. So, that might be what we're looking at now. Maybe the you know, maybe the things that Luke Walton and everyone says are true, and the culture, in fact, is changing, and the in the fact that that's happened this year is a sign. But you look at what happened with Bogey, you know, where Bogey would publicly say the culture has to change. It's got to be more about the team and not just about you. It never got it. Didn't, it couldn't get there with him. Perhaps you know now we're seeing that. So maybe, you know, you, you, these guys who come in to help the team just fit in into a culture of winning. Something the Kings haven't had, as we know, for 15 years. Yeah, we all know the, uh, you know, the streak. Maybe that's the new streak now we talk about. <laughs> you know, that's the streak now is the Kings playoff drought. 15 years in running, team trying to avoid setting a record next year. And going 16 years of missing the playoffs. So, I just wanted to, you know, like I said, 
not a whole lot Kings related going on at the moment. I'll dive more into that stuff later on in the week or weeks to come. But that was an early playoff observation for me. Just looking at how things are going. Just from a Kings perspective, seeing some of these guys out there making contributions on other teams, you know. You know, so maybe maybe Trevor Ariza will have a big game. I can talk about him some more. Maybe Nemanja Bielitz will get off the bench in Miami one day, you know, and drop, you know, five threes on someone. You never know. But there is, they, you know, as I've joked with some of the former Kings, you know, getting out of Sacramento. It's like a club if you survive Sacramento. And in the NBA, there is life after Sacramento. Alec Burks and... <laughs> and Bogdan Bogdanovich are showing that and continuing to prove that there is life after Sacramento. So, shout out to those guys and good luck to them the rest of the way. And then we'll go ahead and check in from there. So, what else is there to talk about? Mm, yo, don't want to dwell on much of the playoffs. I could brag on my Dodgers coming to San Francisco and running through the the, the Giants sweeping them. Yeah, but won't do that. Like I said, this will be a shorter episode, but uh, for your hip-hop portion, wanted to celebrate maybe an unsung hero of West Coast hip-hop. A guy that maybe some people only know as an act from a, from his movie role, but he recently celebrated a birthday, uh, May 22nd. Uh, Compton's own MC8. Uh, some of you know him from, like I said, his you know Compton's Most Wanted, his solo career, his role in Minutes to Society, his beef back in the day with MC with DJ Quick, all of that type of stuff. But I wanted to uh, just kind of give a recap of his career and talk a little bit about him for this week's hip hop portion of the show. And so let's go ahead and jump into, you know, the one and only MC8. You know, so, you know, every, you know his birth name, you know, no, Aaron Tyler, you know, and I learned his name because of, you know, when, when Quick was dissing, you know, Aaron Tyler, tell me why you seem so tame. But, yeah, but you know, but you know, let's look at it, you know, 8 was a, or is a, Probably, I would consider him a, a West Coast legend just for his longevity and what he's put in. And let's just start with his music. Yeah, you know, like I said, it started with Compton's Most Wanted. You know, coming up in '92. You know, post NWA at a time. You know, in '90. You know, in the early '90s when the West Coast was really on top of the game in hip hop. You know, '92. He was around the time of the Chronic, Ice Cube is arguably the best best rapper in the game or you know best you know in the best rapper alive argument at this point of his, in the early 90s and eight you know is one of those guys coming up with you know with cmw but his trajectory took off more in terms of his notoriety uh when he took a role in the, in the movie minister society is awax playing that like kind of the og of the crew, you know, and that's a role of anyone from the neighborhood down there, like I am, you know, 
you always had that one old, the old no guy kind of put in his work for years now he's just you know kind of just the vet the vet of the crew you know the youngsters do all the all the dirt but he's he's still kicking it with them so that you know his role in that movie i think elevated his you know his name musically and it probably helped you know when he you know did go solo gave him a little more you know more to work with and the song from the song that made him popular in that one was a uh, straight up menace off that soundtrack he came with that you know that was a uh, that was his thing, but that wasn't even, you know, my favorite song from 8. You know, it was probably, oh, man. I, my 8 got my attention first, actually, from the Boys in the Hood soundtrack. When, you know, growing up in the hood, you know, that that's what he got my attention. This other stuff came after that. You know, and this is before he had the uh, beef with Quick. And also, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, he also has... Uh, you know, video game credits as he was, you know, a voice in uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. You know, he's had his music on the game. You know, so eight has been all over the place. And I definitely think he deserves, you know, his respect and his props for what he contributed. You know, he's got some cool features. He's, you know, done stuff with Snoop. You know, probably, you know, in the, his most recent big uh, feature would have been when he was on Good Kid, Mad City with uh Kendrick Lamar I shouldn't say his most recent big one but I mean he's had several features but that's one that stands out you know he you know he's even been with worked with Bruno Mars you know eight was just a well-respected MC in the game so I wanted to take just this time to say happy birthday to the legend who was MC8 and solicited you know who, who, who we want to talk about next? Who knows? We got a lot to, you know, we can dive into in the hip-hop scene. But, yeah, that's just want to make sure I shout out 8. I'm still playing a lot of that uh, J. Cole. It's in heavy rotation with me. A lot, of, a lot of Cole, a lot of Cole, a lot of Cole right now. So, like I said, this is a shorter than normal episode by a few minutes. Uh, not going to kill you with this one. Uh, be back later in the week with some more. But... You know where to find me, uh, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones at Twitter, Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC, theathletic.com for my writing about the Kings. I'm going to start breaking down some of the key questions going into the offseason. Among those, do you, you know, do you resign Rashawn Holmes? If so, at what cost? Who do you might have to, who might you have to deal with? To make sure that you're not, you know, eating up all your cap to keep Rashawn Holmes. Uh, of the new guys, who's most likely to stay? Of the old guys, who's most likely to go? Who make, you know, what makes sense just going on to this offseason? So, I'll be diving into all of that stuff in the coming weeks as I mix in a little vacation as well. Try to take it easy. So, again... I'll be watching the playoffs like the rest of you. I'll be watching the WNBA. I'm watching a lot of basketball. And it's going to be fun to watch because I don't have to work while I watch it. So, again, thank you for listening. Shout out to the Basketball Podcast Network. Keep following me on Twitter for more promotions, more, more chances to win. You know, if you saw the tweet last week, you know, retweet that. If you wanted to win a Kings jersey. 
you know, the account from our network with the most tweets wins. So go dig that up. I may just go ahead and retweet it Monday so in case you missed it. Try to give you guys a chance to win the Kings jersey. Or maybe after the way the season ended. Or maybe because you're mad they kept Luke Walden. You don't want a Kings jersey. It's all good. So y'all be good out there. Y'all take keep it easy. Y'all keep chilling. I'm out. See you.